All right, it is Thursday evenings off the ball. Nathan with you as always. And John Giles is with us in studio. How are you keeping, John? Okay, okay, Nathan. Yeah, still uh, here. <laughs> good, good, good. You were uh, with us earlier in the week as well. Uh, we were paying tribute to Jimmy Greaves, who passed away at the weekend. And uh, I don't think anyone who's ever listened to this show has any doubt in how highly you rated oh, yeah. Jimmy Greaves. Yeah, one of the greats, Nathan. You know, Jimmy Greaves scored his goals at a time, uh, first of all, at a time when the pitches were very bad. I mean, the pitches now are absolutely mm. brilliant. They're, they're, and what a difference that makes. I remember playing Gone Derby in a mud heap, you know. And Jimmy Greaves played at that time. I was running through this thing, scoring the goals, uh, dribbling, quick, great finisher. He was, he was, he'd be up there with the greats, definitely. Watching the coverage this week of Jimmy Greaves, I was, I was thinking like how fortunate we were to have a figure like you, John, on this show, but in this country as well, who can talk about those great players of the 60s, the 70s, because it seems in English football, they've been forgotten about. Like So many people in Irish football who listen to this show would recognise Jimmy Greaves for his greatness, or Jack, uh, Bobby Charlton, or Dave Mackay, mm. who just don't seem to get any acknowledgement in English football. Like Jimmy Greaves is the all-time leading scorer in English top-flight football, yeah. yet 90% of people think it's Alan Shearer. Well, because well, well, that, that, that I ain't just forgotten age, about. You see, what happened in... in, in, in uh, in the old days when it was again a bit of greed involved in it because we had the, the, the first division right that was okay but the television money came into it a bit and the top clubs got it greedy about it that's I can only, the, only, the only word for it so they formed the Premier League mm. because up to that this second division third division fourth division clubs were getting a share of the television money Right, so that's why some people have a bit of a cheek talking about the National League in India. Right? The Premier League did that, that, that in a similar way themselves. They formed the Premier League and everything from that time stopped. The tradition, the history, everything. All the records were from the Premier League. So the likes of Jimmy Greaves' record and various other things, mm. all, all the history... I mean, it was amazing history to the game. But it doesn't make any sense because like, the Premier League now is on such a sure footing. It doesn't need to prove itself to anybody. And everybody loves nostalgia. Everybody look, loves looking back There's, at old games. Yeah. Well, you see, it, 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 it's a money situation. Mm. You see, what, the, what the, the, the big clubs right, say, right, we, we, we're, giving, we're getting X amount from the television money. So therefore, we have to share it with the second, third and fourth divisions. So what they did, well, they, no, we won't do that anymore. We're not going to share with it. We're going to keep all the money that we can. So we'll form a different league. That's what they did. So the second division, third division, for didn't exist. Yeah. And the league tro- trophy, I was very lucky to, to win a couple of leagues and get the medals from it. That's gone. The team that win in the second division now get that trophy. Mm. Right. So the Premier League was the Premier League. All the records, all the history uh, of the league, of the football, stopped. It's outrageous, really, when you when you consider the likes of Jimmy Greaves and other records before him, right, had to go because the the, the Premiership was formed. Yeah, and Jimmy was Jimmy Jimmy played at that time. Bobby Child and all these great players. They didn't play long. They might not played at all in the Premier League. I don't think they did. I think it was after that. But these were all great teams and great players. Dave McKay, you mentioned there, the, the sports team that won the double for the first time. Uh, that century mm. you know uh, Jimmy didn't play in that uh, team with Dave McKay Danny Blanchflower Cliff Jones these were luckily enough I was, I'm was. i old enough to remember and played against yeah, yeah. Those, those players and they were great they were great players and Jimmy came from that that, that time you know luckily enough that I think they have some records of Jimmy in, 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 on Netflix or whatever it is with the goals that he scored and, and they're look, we're lucky to have them mm. 
Jimmy was a genius. Uh, and I'm playing on bad pitches as well. Nathan. Like some of them were mud heaps. And Jimmy was a good, beautiful player, uh, quick, lovely control, getting through, you know, scoring goals, look, making it look easy. Yeah, I might have related to you at the time. We, we played him in, uh, when I was at, well, 21, we played uh, Spurs in the Cup semi-final at Hot Hillsborough. I think it was 19, 1961, I think. And Danny Blanchflower took a quick free kick over the top and Greaves is through. Now I'm running back, I've no chance of getting near him, but I'm running back so I can see exactly what's happened. Because it's, it's, it, when strikers get through on their own there, there's some strikers not good that they, the goalkeeper looks at a big, huge yeah. joint, right? There's other uh, finishes like Jimmy Greaves. I was the only time I see him. And it looked like the goalkeeper was actually outside the post, right? And Jimmy's getting in the inside on his left foot, always on his left foot. And I'm looking at it, I think there was only one place he can put it. And side-footed into that corner, there was nobody there, which he did. And that's that's a sign of a great striker. They make this room. I've, I've played with a couple of strikers. They yeah. get through, Nathan. And you can see, there's no way he's going to score. The goalkeeper's huge. But Jimmy was, 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 he was very quick. Beautiful control. You know what I mean? So if he got through, he'd go down like... So between the, the speed run. and the control, he was always making space for himself. Oh, all, always. And he, and he knew exactly. See, when he, when he was running, like the goalkeepers have to be good into a certain position. Mm. But I'm saying with Jimmy, my experience of him, he's gone down the inside right position. He's left-footed. He's dribbling with his left foot. So the goalkeeper is over here somewhere. And all he does is come to this way, left foot, inside of his left foot, into the far. But you could see he was going to do it. I'm looking at him. There's only one place he can put this. Made it look easy. Like all great players doing certain things, but spiritually striking. And I played with players where they weren't good finishers to get yeah. through. And the goalkeeper can't beat the goalkeeper. And Jimmy, was, he, was, he, he had that temperament for the striker as well. He, he looked like it, Jimmy didn't really care about football that much. Right. Do you know what I mean? So the misses didn't bother him. No, he'd say, some you win, some you lose. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he'd have a laugh, sort of a laugh about it. But, uh, but when, well, obviously when he was doing the serious stuff, and he was, but the goal, goal scoring record alone. But uh, I think it's a shame that the, the history, of the, and, and don't forget, in the old days, they didn't have all the matches on TV. I mean, it was in yeah. the 60s before, before they had a live match. Uh, and that, that was only, uh, uh, they tried it on and it didn't work, funny enough. Uh, so a lot of the, the history of the game, whether it be Dave McKay, Jimmy Greaves particularly, Bobby Charlton, you know, these great players, really great players, they haven't got, they have a bit of footage of it, but not, not like what not, we not have like these days. Now, yeah. Especially in the conditions. Yeah, well, uh, Luckily, I think most of our listeners can name the uh, Leeds United team that you played with as easily as any Premier League side. <laughs> We've talked about them so much through the years. Well, I think what happened with the Leeds team and it happened with a lot of players, we were together for a long time. Yeah. And I was there for 12 years. So the, the vast majority of the team, was that, that's a long spell in football. Like nowadays, you see some that's not two or three years at a yeah, yeah. club. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't associate those players. It, it, like Manchester United, some have changed over the years, different teams, different teams. Whereas the lead teams, were, lead teams, we were together for 12, 12 years with pretty much the same players. Yeah, so it's sort of an input in the yeah. lads' minds. And I mean, there was like bef actually before I went to Leeds, we were in the second division, as you know, for, we were, for most of the time in the second division, uh, and then we became a top team. And it was like like kids, like when I was a kid, I went for Manchester United as a kid and most of my pals did because Jackie Carey was a great Manchester United captain when they won the cup and, and we, we found ourselves with Manchester yeah. United from a distance 
You know what I mean? There was, we couldn't see anything on the television, but we supported them right. from the because there were Irish players. Yeah. Irish players played with Everton at the time. There were six actually Irish players from the Republic played at one time for Everton, and Everton to this day still have a good big support. Irish support. Yeah, and funny enough, Liverpool didn't. Right. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but there was always this. Uh, well, there wasn't much success at Liverpool around that stage either in the fifties. They were okay. Now in the fifties, they were they were in mm. second division for about six years. Yeah. But looking back on the history, of, uh, Ronnie Whelan, uh, apart from Steve Hiver, who really wasn't, it was an English lad mm. that qualified for us. But Ronnie Whelan was the first player I can remember in the in, in the first team playing for Liverpool. Born in Ireland. Born in yeah. Ireland. Yeah. 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 But it was always a big association. With it. And then you had the last Con Martin played for Aston Villa, so we used to get that around the country if an Irish player played for the team you're more likely to uh, follow them yeah there's a, a lot of lead supporters out there because you were at Leeds United who were cursing you for about 10 years when things were 15 years when they were out of the Premier League but they're all happy again now well they're, they're better than they were United. They it, was, it was a shame to see it happen you know what I yeah. mean because they had such a strong really really strong support there and then the club was badly managed and look, lucky enough now or thank goodness for them they're back in, in the Premiership again there was another sad story this week. Uh, Joe Kinnear, a uh, man you'd know well, that you played with for the Republic of Ireland, that you would have played against a lot during a, a very successful time he had at Spurs. Uh, he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of vascular dementia back in 2015. His family spoke about this this week, uh, that unfortunately it's deteriorated to a late stage of the illness. He's only 74, Joe Kinnear, but these stories seem to be coming week on week now. Um, of players in their 60s, 70s, 80s uh, being diagnosed with dementia. It's pretty frightening. Yeah, it's well, they're, they're, they're trying to examine it's mm. the, the whole situation, uh, Nathan, and it's very, very difficult to, to, to prove this. I'll take a long time with that. But uh, I must say now, the, the Professional Football Association, that's the union, haven't really fulfilled their duties, in my opinion. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the dementia, but there's a lot of old players, uh, like the, Joe... Joe Joe's era, my era, mm. like none of us finished financially secure from the game. The money wasn't in it. Yeah. Right. So when these uh, these lads and lads before us, Nathan, got into trouble, right? There's very little help. The clubs don't really help, and the club very little. But the PFA, the Professional Footballers Union, I think should do a lot more than they're than they're doing. Right. They've got about fifty million in the bank. They've got uh, uh, paintings worth ten to fifty million, and. Uh, they're not proactive, let's put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, players have to go to them, right? And sometimes it's a means test if they're going to get See anything. If they need the support. So there's no obligation from the union to say, like in America, for example, the, the union are proactive with the lads who get injured mm. and have head injuries and that, and they look after them. That's not the case. And I think that's what Joe's family might be saying there. Like they might have approached, I don't know, they might have approached the Players Union but would get, wouldn't be getting much satisfaction because I know of plenty of cases of that from players of my generation and before who really need the help haven't been helped. Yeah, they say former outfield players four times more likely to suffer neurodegenerative disease than the general populations and researchers have finding no decline in that ratio since even the Premier League era started. So... There's sort of an assumption that the balls were heavier back then and that's but, part of the reason. But actually, the studies seem to suggest it's not. It's just the repetitive heading of a football. Well, that's what they say now. They don't really know. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'd have to work the percentage out of, of people 
who never headed the ball, whether it be accountants or assistants yeah. or, uh, you know, it, it, it could be anything. Now, I think there's, there's a chance that football is heading the ball as much as they used to, uh, would, would be slightly more uh, into that, you know, get, yeah. get, getting into big, big trouble for it. But I, I wouldn't be so sure. But the thing is, you see, what I'm talking about, the Professional Football Association, it shouldn't matter how they got the disease, right? That's not their job. Yeah. The job, their job is to help whoever got it, not why they got it. Well, I, I guess they can do both, as you say. Like the PFA have some of the greatest financial support of any organisation of its kind in the world. Mm. The deal that they've struck with the Premier League in terms of how it's uh, financed, that they can do the uh, education part of it, they can commission studies, but as you say, for the individuals involved who are members of the PFA, they should be able to financially support them as well. But they should be, but they don't. And, and uh, okay, we can look to the future and see how, it, how, how it's worked out. Nate. But in the meantime, as far as the football, uh, the Players, Players Association is concerned, it shouldn't matter how they get it. Okay, we can, we can make studies for the future and for players, but the players of the old players that really need this help are passing away. Mm. Right, these are players in 1960-61, I was part of it, only a young fella, actually went, were prepared to go out and strike for better conditions. Now, the lads of today, the players of today, are benefiting from that in a big way. The maximum wage is gone and all the very, various things. And those lads, lads were prepared to go out and strike because the conditions were very bad. Maximum wage, uh, retain and transfer system. If you signed at 17, you signed for life. Things, things weren't good for professional footballers. Mm. Like, and, and now it's, it's turned the other way. And good luck to them. All the old lads from, from my age and that say, good luck to the lads today. But the Professional Footballers Union at that time, because I, I, I was the Leeds United man for the... the, the so we were all, right. all, all in. I used to collect a few bob. and that Because that, that, that was the football... So the the, the Preferes. So no money. There's no money in those days. They have money today. And what a lot of people are saying, I saw one of our top footballers saying, on telly, saying, well, uh, you know, there's so many that it's difficult to know who to give it to. So they're not giving them anything. Like instead of saying, right, who is the most needed? Who's the most needy? There's no former players collective that, so Leeds United could have a, a rep who looks after all the former players and can check in with people. There's, there's no system like that in place? No. There isn't from the top. That's the problem. Right. In the footballers. I mean, the, 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 the players unit, well known, have 50 million in the bank, maybe more now. Mm. I mean, they, had, they bought uh, 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 paintings that's worth 10 to 50, right? In the meantime, all the old players from my generation are passing away in ba- really bad conditions. Joe Kinnear has it now, and I think that's what the family's saying. Where's the help going to come from, right? It's not proactive from the, F- the Football Association. Now, the Football League might be responsible as well. The clubs might, they don't take any responsibility. Now. I know that for a fact. And where the players go to is the players' union, mm. right? Where they contributed to over the years, not very much. But then, as you said, the television money came in, where they were in the position, to help old players. That hasn't happened. They'll tell you, yes, we did this for X amount, X amount, but it's not part of the the, 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 run, the rule of thumb is not, well, we're going, whoever's going to come in, we're going to try to help as much as we possibly can. That's not the case. So Joe, Joe's family will be, I didn't read it, uh, Nathan, but I think what he's saying there, where's the help coming from? Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think like a lot of the families as well, they want, they do want the research part of this to protect the next generation of players <coughs> yes. like, that are coming I, I, through. I, old players like myself would agree with that, Nathan, right? But in the meantime, this is going to take a long time to confirm 
of who's responsible for, for this. But in the meantime, players of my generation are passing away, right, without any help, yeah. right, whilst there's a lot of, there should be more, more help to them in this particular time. And if, because these stories, as I say, are so common now, it seems week on week we hear of another player of mm. that era. We heard the stories about Bobby Charlton earlier in mm. the summer as well. When you read these stories, how do you feel when you read these stories knowing you played in the same era? Uh, well, it's very sad for a start. I'm, I'm touch wood, I'm okay at the moment. Uh, I, I was very close with Nobby, as you know, Nobby's mm. brother now, who went through, went through the mill on that again without very much help from anybody. Uh, that's how I know so much about it. Um, and it, it's, it's a very sad occasion because there's people, I know Bobby Charlton pretty well, a lot of lads who I know Joe pretty well. This is a dreadful disease, uh, Nathan, as, as everybody knows now. Yeah. And, and I said before, from the professional football and all the people in football, it doesn't matter how these lads got it. They got it. And, and also, we have to find out, is there any way we can stop it? But that's, that's for the future. These are lads who have it now, and they're having a very, very bad time, most of them. And they're not getting any help. A lot of them not getting any help at all. And, and I point the finger more at the Professional Football Association because that's our union. That's what we, like, they should be proactive, going out and say, well, who can we help? Now, I spoke to a, 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 one of the, the members. Uh, well, we're not proactive because um, we don't have the money to, for everybody. That's not the point. Give it to the one that's most needed. No, it's no good saying we've got fifty million in the bank and we can't really don't we don't know how to distribute it. Yeah, it, it's it's rubbish. And it seems from reading the stories of the families in general, like the families aren't necessarily looking for compensation for what happened. What they're looking for yeah. is assistance so that a Joe Kinnear or anybody else can have the best possible end to their life. Exactly. They're not looking for anything. They want the, the, the people who have have gone through this, the Kinnear family, right. They need the help. Nobody needed help, right? But the people that, that, that should have been helping most again was the players. There's no doubt about that. And, and they could say, and I know somebody very well known in football said, well, we don't know where to start. We don't know who to give it to. You know what I mean? That's, that's nonsense. Give it to the people who, who, who need it the most. Even if it's only a certain amount, that's not enough. What about the club's responsibility? Because, like, you mentioned Nobby Styles. There was a great article in the paper last week about, um, Wright Thompson wrote it about going back to Old Trafford and meeting up with some of the uh, families around Old Trafford who used to go to United. Nobby Styles came up quite a bit. He was talking to Nobby Styles' son of John, yeah. Nobby's role within the club and mm. going back to Manchester United again. If Nobby Styles was treated that way by football as a World Cup winner, as a legend of Manchester mm. United, Think of the thousands who never even had that career, who never had a hope. Well, that's a fact, mate. They would do, like once you were finished in football, you were finished. I mean, clubs are very cruel. I mean, the club, the Manchester United, wasn't exactly uh, uh, generous to Nobby. You know, and like even in his playing career, Nobby was transferred to Middlesbrough. Yeah. At the highest mount he could get. You know what I mean? Like, um, would Nobby have asked Manchester United for anything? Because I know there's a, an element of pride of yeah. you don't want to go back with the begging bowl. No, well, and I suppose that's what you're saying that the clubs it seems aren't proactive they're not going out looking for the former players saying how can we but, make sure anything that but. our club what our club does is we look after our own oh, anything but and there's been tales loads of tales about footballers before my time people like Wilf Mannion and, yeah. and they, they, would you ever get a call from Leeds asking how you are no well, to be fair at Leeds it's a whole new game there mm. that's new owners and new that and that you know but I did have my own tale when I was leaving uh, Leeds United and uh, uh, Don Levy had gone at that time Jimmy Armfield was there uh, Jimmy was no help whatsoever 
But I, I did get a call and I knew West Brom were coming in for me. They're going to pay 50 grand for me, right? Uh, and I was at the club, that was 12 years at that time, right? So I knew that and went to see Jimmy Arfield and I said, I know you're paying. I said, you bought me for 32,000. I've been here for 12 years. I played over 500 matches. Da, 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 da. Am I not entitled to anything from yeah. 50? And uh, Jimmy wasn't wasn't helpful anyway. But anyway, he came back. He said, yeah, the, the chairman has decided to give you 5,000. from." I said, would you tell the chairman what to do with the five grand? Right. Jimmy thinks, okay, you see him yourself. Now, if Don had been there, I would have got help. Jimmy didn't want to know. Go and see him. Manny Cousins was the chairman. And I said, listen, I've been here for 12 years. Played over 500 matches. Such a successful time. You bought me for 32,000. Now you're selling me for 50. Am I in? He says, you're not entitled to any of that. In fact, he says, we paid you good money for the last 12 years. Right. Now, that's not a case on its own. That was football. Did that, football. did that affect the way you look back in any way in your time at Leeds? No, because uh, I, I love my time at Leeds. Yeah. I want to be a professional footballer. I wasn't worried about the bonus. And that. Was actually, with the, with the lads at Leeds, there was only one lad who knew the bonus. That was Paul Rini. Paul Rini was our money man. Actually, and we won the semi-final. Paul, Paul could tell us what we were getting after tax. He'd be on the bus on the way back home. Quids in, lads. We're, we're, us, the lot, yeah. we didn't know what the bonus right. was. Couldn't care less what the bonus was. Right. Do you know what I mean? When you're playing as a footballer like that, and I'm talking my own experience with lads I played with, money never came into it. You were too busy wanting to win the trophies or win the cup or win this playing international. Yeah, that was your dream when you were a kid. That's what you wanted to do. But unfortunately, like when you're a footballer, you're not a businessman, Nathan. The last thing you are is a businessman. They're the worst businessman in the world. Yeah. Right. So, but you're, like I'm dealing with Manny Cousins, who's a top businessman and a very wealthy man in Leeds. Now, he's talking to me as a businessman. Now, what he was saying to me, he was, well, fool you. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm a footballer. I, I'm, get playing, I'm playing when I'm injured or I want to play and all that. All I want to do is win. But you're dealing with businessmen. See, businessmen don't think only about money. You know, there's, no, there's no sympathy in, in what you do. And I was not, that, that happened all over football. I say nobody went to Middlesbrough. Right? Got as much as they could. Nobody got nothing from it. The only chance you had in, in those days of making was testimonial, mm. right? And then they had control over your testimonial because you had to do your 10 years. But the, the, the club had to seek permission from the FA to give you testimonial, right? Now, so the club said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to ask the FA for a testimonial for you. Did you get a testimonial? No, I never got a testimonial at Leeds. Because what happened at Leeds was that you, you usually got a testimonial, do a testimonial 10 years after you signed pro, Right. Now, well, I was 20, 22 when I signed pro. Yeah. So Norman Hunter, Billy Bremner, Paul Reaney, all these lads were in the queue before me, before the testimony. Right. And Jack was the, the, the first one that was cut out because he was there longer than anybody else. Yeah. But Jack kept putting it off because it didn't suit him. <laughs> right. So the longer he put it off, the longer the queue the got. longer the queue went, especially for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I finished up leaving Leeds before I got a testimonial. Right. So what I'm saying, Nathan, like people have the have the impression, definitely, I did myself, uh, if it's standing matches, it's going to be looked after. Probably Charlton, obviously, they're going to be looked after. That wasn't the case, mm. and it's not the case now. The only good thing now with the football, Nathan, is the lads are earning a lot of money, yeah. especially at the top level, and they certainly won't be financially insecure when they finish playing. 
That wasn't the case in my day for any of the top players. And I don't think people fully understand that because well, well, Bobby Charlton is obviously in a different position maybe in that he had a, a role at Manchester United, a very high-profile mm-hmm. role within the club. But like that in Nobby Styles, yeah. with all that he achieved, one of English football's greatest ever players, mm. is, is maybe worrying about money in his 60s and 70s. Well, well he was. <laughs> Long before that, Yeah, he was worried about money. Nobby never, never did that. Most, most of us that played... I mean, I was very lucky. I fell into television. Yeah. Uh, Nobby, Nobby was lucky enough. He was a good after-dinner speaker. Right. So Nobby made a living. Touring the, the country. Around the country, because he was very popular, and he was brilliant at it. You know, he was really brilliant at the after-dinner speaking. That's how Nobby made his money. Apart from that, you know, all the lads, I'd say, I can't remember a lad uh, that I played with out of my time that uh, finished football for the feet secure. Yeah. Didn't happen. See, we were on like we were on those days. We were on good money and rest of people working. Say we were on a hundred quid a week. Mm. Right, that was big money. Right, there was a lot of tax involved. Obviously, no, no nobody, nobody that I knew of could say when they finished playing, I'm okay. Yeah, nobody. And and then the clubs. You see, the clubs were. I never, I never heard of a club being generous. Yeah, of given what they no. weren't forced into. You're finished. You're done. Your day's done. You're no good to us anymore. Out you go. And what, and what a lot of the directors and that was feeling, you're lucky that you paid you that much because you're only playing football. Yeah. Right now then, is there anything you can do? Is, have you spoken to anyone else around this about actually as former players, could we all come together, set up a new union, set up a former players union, do something to put a pressure on the clubs, the PFA, to make sure that, because it's, it's not just players now who are in their 80s or 70s. I'm sure there's plenty of players in their 50s and 60s who aren't financially secure who are all going to be worrying about what oh, they're yeah. reading in the papers. But, but, see, but, it, but it, see, it's changed so much, Nathan. Now, like if you said to the Lancet today, come on, we've got to do something about this. I'm but maybe nobody's asking them. Well, maybe not. Well, certainly, you see, the Professional Footballers Union has been very badly run mm. with Gordon Taylor, and he's been kicked out now. Now, there's a new guy who's just come in. He's only there four months. So we have to see now... Is he going to do anything about it? But in the meantime, see, the top-class players, Nathan, and that, they're on 200 grand, 300, some on 400, 500 grand a week. So it's not a problem for them, mm. right? And, and the argument, and I suppose maybe this feeds into your point, the argument a lot of people in the game would make is that actually Gordon Taylor did a very good job for the PFA because of the financial success that it has had. Well, well, well that, it's, it's what the success that they've had, mm. right? It hasn't really got through to the players. I mean, I don't know. The Gordon Taylor. The, 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 I see now the, the, the Premier League are getting a bigger fee now because it's going around the world. I don't know whether he calculated that in his, uh, his negotiations. Mm. Of course, it improved. Do you know what I mean? It had to. It had to improve. I mean, you, you didn't have to be a genius to, to get the money that they're getting. Do you know what I mean? With the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. In it. Now, I'm not saying he didn't do some good work. He, he did. He obviously did some good work, but really, it wasn't for the. Uh, it was, and it was mostly for the benefit of the, the present day players. And good luck to them, right? But the lads of my generation who fell with all sorts of different illnesses, right? Who, who were prepared to go out and strike and 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 get the conditions that the players have today. Non-existent. Mm. Non-existent. I'm sure if you ask some of the players that are playing today, they say, "Yeah, we're prepared to do something." I think that mostly lads are, are good lads, but like it's a different time. I think they're getting on with their own life. They're getting their 
200, 300, 400 grand a week. And from players of my generation, I'd say, good luck to them. I've no problem with them, with them, with them doing that. It's better. I'd rather see them be overpaid than underpaid and have the conditions. And the conditions were worse before my time. Yeah. But it was a maximum wage. Retention, you signed a, 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 a pro when I started first. You signed pro at 17. You signed for life. For life. Right, so if you said after a year or two, I'm not happy with my wages because it was a maximum wage anyway, but you didn't always get the maximum wage. Uh, I, I'm not going to play. You know, I'm not going to play for you. That's okay. You can't play for anybody else. Yeah, it's uh... now. Good luck to the lads today. Mm. I say no. I'm not jealous of them in any way. I think it's great for them to have the conditions that they're having today. Good luck to them. Yeah, you'd hope that um, the PFA would respond to some of these appeals from Joe Kinnear's family so. and so many families and start I'd say, to put I'd say if you got to the place place. today individually, I'd say they'd, they'd, they'd be generous. But the, the, the union is the, is the big thing. Yeah. It's the players' union. You know, That's what the union should be standing for. This is what we're going This is our old players. This is what we're going to do for them. Well, also, the, this generation of players aren't going to need as much no, help no. because of the money they that they've been they, able they to make. It at all. They, they'll all be financially secure. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you'll look after the money there will be some lads in the third and fourth division Nathan sure who who the lads contribute today now could could need some help when they get older but the top boys no they're fine uh, I fear this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about um, this sort of scenario just briefly John because we're actually out of time we didn't get to talk a huge okay. amount about the football this week but I think it was a conversation well worth happening uh, one thing that did happen this week you were a prolific penalty taker a prolific scorer of penalties did you ever take one where it was your first touch and kick of the ball in the game like Mark Noble no, last weekend no no that was a bad I think that was a bad move from from uh, uh, David Moyes would you have been comfortable so no. Mark Noble is the West Ham penalty taker he yes. is the one they turn to yes. if you were on the bench and the manager said John go on there get us a point we know you can score penalties you haven't had a kick at a ball but sure you've done it a million times before yeah, but you see, when when you go off the bench like that and you haven't had to kick the ball, you haven't done that a million times before. What you've done a million times before is played in the match and get after 20 minutes or 30 minutes, for, yeah. maybe after five minutes, but you've had your warm-up immediately before the game. I mean, the, the, the lad who took the penalty... Uh, uh, Noble. Uh, Mark Noble yeah. was on the bench. He wasn't running up and down the pitch warm enough from what I could see. He came straight off the bench to pull it on to, to take the penalty kick. I, I I just never saw, saw that before, and I I could never believe that could that could happen. I thought it was a big big mistake. I know he tried to justify it afterwards, but I don't think there was any justification in that. He wasn't he wasn't even warmed up, Nathan. Mm. Actually, it, it was it was worse than what the England manager did in the cup final, putting the three lads on. They got a little bit of a warm up before they, t- they took the penalty. Right in the final well you think you might have even learned the lesson from that huh? I mean, that, <laughs> that, that, wasn't, them. that wasn't great but, but, but to take somebody off the bench to go on and, uh, I, I just thought it was it was a big mistake to make what was your uh, penalty routine did you if you were to look back and think about it did you go left or right more often in your career it's, it's a bit of a I, I won't bore you I hope not bore you but it's a bit of a psychological thing uh, Nathan it's a lottery John <laughs> okay no what happens is it, this is my take on yeah. taking penalties right I'm going to take a penalty now, when you take the penalty, if you pull it to the left side of the goalkeeper, first of all, you've got a 50-50 chance of beating him, right? Because he has to go one side yeah. or the other. So immediately, if you say, right, I'm going to take the penalty, I'm going to put it in that corner, right? 
or it could important depending on who the goalkeeper was. The, on the day, I'd be doing this two or three days before the match. Yeah. Right? And then I would practice penalties on the corner that I was going to put it up and I'd ask Dave Harvey, the goalkeeper, to go and go. And I'd tell him where I'm going to put the penalty. Right? But I know now, if I hit it as well as I want to hit it, if he goes, don't forget, I've got a 50-50 chance from going the wrong way. Yeah. So I've got to keep it on target. But I'm going to hit it hard enough and sound enough that even though he knows where I'm going, he's not going to get it. Right. right. So now in your head, that's your way you're going to do it. Nothing's going to change that. You don't even look at the goalkeeper. So you're not confused. Yeah. So half the, the business has been confusion. If he goes that way, is he going to go that way? Is he going to go this way? Is he going? You, you drive yourself mad. But if you make a decision early on in the week and then you can practice that. I used to have Dave Harvey after training. Right, this Dave, I'm going to put it there. And I'd hit it. Some he'd stop, obviously. But if I hit it hard enough in the way I want to hit it, he doesn't come into it. Yeah. So now you're eliminating the goalkeeper. He could be six foot six and that. You don't look at him. You don't see him. This is what I'm going to do. And this is where I'm going to put it. It could be that side, it could be that side. Because some of the goalkeepers you get known, that's his favourite side, that's his favourite side. But there's more to it than that. You don't just go up and take the penalty. You could be talking about, thinking about this for two or three days. Who are we playing on Saturday? Okay, if we've got a penalty, I'll practice that. That's where it's going. No if, buts, maybe. You walk up to it. If he goes the right way, and I hit it well, I'm still not going to stop it. But I know there's a 50-50 chance he's going to go that way. Yeah. Did you ever change your mind? No. I've missed a couple. Yeah. I've hit the post. <laughs> and the goalkeeper's going the other way. Oh, which no. Is, which, is even more, which is even worse. Yeah. But, but I'm only talking about the psychology and taking the penalty. Like, I think... England manager should have been telling whoever is going to take the penalties. This is what this is the way to think about it. Mm. Now I think he put those three lads on, right? And I think Rashford was the only one that had to take had taken a penalty at that level. So it's it's in talking about preparation. That's preparation. Apparently, reading it, I think they had somebody they had lads taking penalties. Well, they were basically doing them in training and training a bit of a leaderboard. Yeah, and he had a leaderboard for it. Right, and had some of the, the young lads who, who were they were saying were, were better constantly than the senior lads. That's rubbish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those lads that they, they, they should have had five or six anyway from way back. Say, okay, lads, you come with me, and this is what we're going to, and this is the psychology I want for you taking penalties. That's pr- proper preparation. So you never, I never went up to take a penalty thinking, uh, am I going to put it this way? Am I going to put it that way? My answer is not going to look at the goalkeepers because goalkeepers look. It joins when you look at them like that. You don't look at them. But you're thinking, right, he's got 50. If I put it here, there's a good chance he'll go that way. But if I put it that way, I'm going to hit it hard enough so he doesn't get it. And that should be the preparation, in my opinion, Yeah. for those lads taking the penalties. I won't ask you what went wrong for the uh, Mayo penalty in the All-Ireland final. I'd just be uh, upsetting <laughs> myself again. Uh, great stuff as always, John. Thanks, Nathan. Good to see you in the studio. Uh, John Giles with us every Thursday here on Off The Ball. If you missed any of that, just get onto the OTB Sports app and you can get the podcast and listen back to the full thing.